0: This fan base is amazing, the city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats!
1: 25, toward the middle
0: of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. To Julius for three. Good!
1: Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. That's the one-handed catch hands it off to
0: Marcus Jones. He has it. tackled it the 34. That's it. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero
1: doubts. Opportunity seized. As the Bearcats send a message to the college football world,
0: did you see that?
1: Hello listeners new and old, welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Viva La Cats Pod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date unit tracker info from Steve. Um, last week, at some point, I said that if we lost to USF, I'd lose my fucking mind. Pardon my French. Well, <laughs> well we did. Um, so here goes nothing. Now <laughs> we're not going to start off like that uh, because we also lost to UCF and still got manhandled by Houston. Um, And we've lost six of the last seven games, so now we're basically just bags in the wind. Um, (laughs) It's been a very deflating past few weeks. Um, Tough stretch, so uh, buckle up. We're going to go over um, everything of recent. But before we do that, Steve, I I just want to know how you feel about uh, really just the past week and the three
0: consecutive losses um well justin it's been a rough stretch for the bearcats like you mentioned uh six of the last seven games have been losses Uh, but you mentioned that before the show before we were recording six of the last seven games have been losses for the bearcats three in a row uh and it's just dark times on the edge of town at the moment (laughs) um so I, i i think i've said this before on the pod that uh I'm, I'm just glad that we were feeling pain again and we weren't feeling apathy anymore after, uh, you know, the rough year with John Brandon. But I was just looking back at the schedule last year to see if there's any point in the year where we had uh, a stretch like this, where we lost six of seven games. Uh, it was the, uh, after the first game. Uh, we went, we've won the first game. Uh, I, I believe it was against uh, Lips. Oh, yeah, it was against Lipscomb. And then we lost six of our next seven games. So, uh, rough, rough beginning there. Uh, not great. Um, obviously COVID kind of hurt that uh, as well, but, um, (laughs) it's just, it's just hard right now, you know? And I think it's obviously going to be down before it gets better. The thing I've been talking about all year, uh, that post the, that post Illinois record, we are now under 500 after the Illinois win. We are 12 and 13 since that Illinois win. And maybe this Mm -hmm. is what, We should have expected the entire time, and we wouldn't have gotten as hurt, but it's just what we do as fans. We hype ourselves up when things are going good, and then when things are going poorly, we are like, what the hell? Like, Fire everybody, figure it out. Uh, (laughs) But I think uh, last night's game, and we can get into it in more detail uh, in a bit, but the Houston game gave me a lot more hope. Than, in a loss than the other losses have. And I can try to explain that later when we go in depth.
1: Well, for sure. And the biggest thing that I've noticed, too, um, over, let's see, if we if we go through just the games in February, uh, it goes Houston, USF, Tulsa, Memphis, Wichita State, Temple, UCF, USF, and Houston, again. Um, which actually, Houston hit a little bit of a slide, uh, dropped back in rankings, but... Um, out of all those games, there have only been two wins in the month of February over the course of, what, uh, that's probably nine games. Um, the biggest thing that I've noticed, though, consistency is absolutely key, and we have absolutely none of it. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to notice that. Um, if you've watched any Bearcat game, uh, any, any pair of Bearcat games, um, you'll notice the most inconsistent thing is... Uh, or sorry, the most consistent thing is the inconsistency. Um, And we've just been bouncing around a lot. So you're relying on these guys like uh, David DeJulius, relying on Davenport every night. Of course, they're going to go and get you a bucket here and there. But, um, you know, ultimately you can't expect to have these guys show up every single night. Um, You know, I think David DeJulius more than anybody, we can uh, rely on him for that. But Davenport's just been such a hot and cold shooter. um, And... You know, as the season progresses, we see that more and more. Um, but I don't want to harp too much on the in-between stuff. I want to really cover these three games that we've had because um, all of them have been uh vastly disappointing in many different ways. Um starting with UCF, uh the Golden Knights won 75 to 61 in a game where after the teams were tied at eleven. UCF pulled away and pretty much never looked back. Um, If you look at the game flow chart on that, it's pretty disappointing because it's like, oh, back and forth, beginning of the game, you know, whatever, and then just busted open. And that gap stays pretty much the whole game Um, right after the second half. The Bearcats had a little bit of a run. Um, I think they pulled it within about seven. Um, And then again, right after that, you know, we will go on a little bit of run and then plateau. And that's when UCF started to pull away. Um, we just couldn't keep up it was another poor shooting night, um, time and again, I really feel like groundhog day is saying these kind of things, especially, uh, when talking about Davenport shooting from the three, other than those few games that he had where he hit like seven, um, from the three point line, he's been pretty disappointing and that's, it's not just to call him out, but I think it's just talking about the overall conversation of the three point shot um i know i've seen some points where people have said the bearcats can't make any twos so if you get an open three you might as well take it um which i definitely can agree with to a point um but not when we're going one for eight from the line um uh, or from not the three ideal yeah as an individual not ideal correct um and again this was ucf was just another game where david de julius and davenport had to shoulder the load um, and really at that point that, you know, sometimes you just can't keep up, you know, you might get lucky, um, with another team having a poor shooting night, but if another team is at average or above average, um, when it comes to shooting, uh, you, you can't, you can't expect the Bearcats to win, at least not this season. Um, 25% from the three point line, 37% from the floor overall, just really not making things happen in this game. Um, I wanted to look at one other thing too, in this, uh, which was rebounding again, got beat out. Um, not a very bad shooting night from the free throw, uh, free throw line, but again, um, you know, just couldn't make buckets ultimately. Um, and honestly there, unless you have something to say about UCF, uh,
0: <laughs> we can go into the, uh, that game. Well, so here's the thing, Justin, um, we've been talking, uh, I think I've said a lot of things and, uh, you know, might as, might as well just rehash them for new listeners because every podcast is someone's first. So welcome to any first timers out there. Um, it'll get better. I promise. So, um, I think the thing I've mentioned before is just how, uh, last year I, there was a point where I just stopped watching the basketball games and I was just, uh, kind of apathetic a little bit. And like this, this game, I don't really think I watched a second of, we ended up getting a last minute dinner reservation in a nice place in OTR called Pep and Dolores. Very great place. Would check, uh, check it out. If you're in Cincinnati, definitely recommend. You have to get a table about like, I, if you don't want to eat at, uh, four thirty or 9 PM, you got to get a table about two, three weeks in advance. So, uh, Get on that. It's a small place, but it's really good Italian food. So, um, but just from following along, I have Justin Williams and the official uh, men's basketball Twitter account notifications turned on. Uh, it was not great on either end, and uh, it seemed like we just don't have enough right now to compete. And like we we can make all the Florida Tech jokes we want as fans, but <laughs> <laughs> I think UCF's another good team where they haven't really been as successful this year, but they have a couple good wins and they are probably not going to be make the tournament, make the NCAA tournament, but uh they're going to be another uh, tough out uh next weekend at the conference tournament. And, you know, that's just a, just a team that we're not better than right now. A well-coached team with uh, Johnny Dawkins at the helm. And uh they don't have the size advantage of taco fall anymore. He's about two years removed now, but uh, three, three years removed now. Sorry. But I, I, I don't know. It's just, That one was just a game where I just I just did not watch. So um, but just from reading the notifications, reading the groupie messages, it was just not the prettiest game to watch.
1: (laughs) That's for sure. Um, And also, if you look at the uh, American standings too, like UCF's really been in the middle of the pack, Um, same as we've been, except, you know, we've obviously hit our slide um, and just have not been able to climb back up. Um, whereas other teams have started to kind of take over, but I find it interesting that there's so much of a middle of the pack this year. Um, I feel like every year there's, you know, a couple, seven, you know, eight lost teams, but you know, there always seems to be those big team, like big gap teams where they just can't get anything. And you have a USF or a Tulsa where right now they're sitting at three and 13. Of course, this is post the US or, you know, past week. So they um, have added, compounded their losses even more so um and then the top of the bracket on the flip side uh, has a team team like houston team like smu traditionally cincinnati uh not up there now memphis um all with two four and five losses respectively um but again there's a there's um let's see temple ucf Tulane, lane uh since East Carolina, all between six and 10 losses, um, and Wichita State with nine, which interestingly enough, they haven't played a lot of conference games. I guess their schedule has been a little wacky, but, um, regardless, speaking specifically of last team UCF, uh, last place UCF, um, holy mackerel, uh, (laughs) Good golly, Miss Molly. Uh, what on God's green earth? Um, I don't know if you can think of any other takes. Um, I would like to compare this game to uh, a Popeye's biscuit without a drink. Um, that, that is my metaphor because uh, it, it, it looks like things are good to go. And then, you know, the next thing you know, that shit just clogs your airways um, in the flashbacks, the violent flashbacks that you get throughout your entire life wondering, has it always been this bad? Uh, is this the final breath I'm going to take? Uh, and then everything fades to black. That's that's <laughs> that's how I felt in this game. Um, I thought that uh, we had seen the worst of the games this season uh, and I was incorrect. Um, I figured we'd get blown out by Houston and SMU to cap off the season. Um, but a small glimmer of hope showed uh, looking at the US, uh, USF name on the end of the schedule there with three games to go four games to go um and i thought there was no way that the bearcats could let this one get away from them at home on senior night uh in front of a pretty big crowd too Uh, i didn't think there was a way that they could possibly throw that away to a two and 13 conference play usf bulls team which is consistently bad at every single sport um that wasn't possible right (laughs) But wrong, 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 wrong. Um, this was quite possibly the most appalling game I have watched um, from the Bearcats in a long time. And that's saying something because there were some rough games last year uh, under the, uh, with Brandon under the helm. And yet the Bearcats still found a way to <laughs> fuck this up really bad. Um, I thought we were above USF. Um, Maybe that is just my misconception after watching them play so poorly against so many teams um, throughout the season. But lo and behold, the Bearcats found a way. Um, I don't really have a lot of points to mention other than that. Besides the fact that uh, if you didn't watch it, it was really, really, really painful to watch. Um, The Bearcats let this game trade leads a lot of times um and then you know we surged and in the second half it looked like okay maybe we'll take control and every time we went on just a short run it was met by a plateau and usf just climbed back and it was back and forth for the last 10 minutes of the game until ultimately the bearcats let it go on a last second buzzer beater hook shot uh with three seconds to go three fouls to give Basically, every single fundamental thing that you could possibly think of throwing out there uh, fucked up in the last, last real like minute of the game. Um, And it was just hard to watch. Um, So (laughs) I don't, I don't want to talk about it uh, too long from my perspective because I need to hear what you have to say on this, Steve, because we already know that I am very upset.
0: (laughs) Uh, Justin, uh, I would like to imitate the well-known Price is Right fail horn. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Thank you, uh, because that's how I fucking felt about that shit bird of a game. Good (laughs) lord. Um, One, the fact that the throwback uniforms uh, did not get to see any light of day other than ESPN Plus is very upsetting. Um, Two, the fact that we went 0-2 of them is absolute pain. Um and <laughs> more importantly, number three, um how how do we how do we lose that game? There's we should not be losing that game. We should not be losing games to Brian Gregory, we should not be losing to a team that we beat that scored the same amount of points as last time we played them at their place and we scored 70. It's yeah. just as it's, it's inexcusable. And I think a lot of uh Bearcats Twitter was definitely upset because there are a lot more tweets on Saturday night than there were about most of these other losses, because I think we all agree that this is not a game that we should be losing. This is a game we yeah. should be winning, and it's uh, inexcusable to be losing these games, uh, these those types of games to those last-place teams. So I think the the other takeaway I had was uh, this was a, a situation where once again Wes came out in the post-game press conference and said, like, yeah, I, I didn't really have my guys ready for that. I'll read the mm-hmm. official quote because... I tweeted something in response to Justin Williams, and uh, I got kind of shouted down a little bit about, <laughs> about that. But uh, so let me find the tweet real quick. Um, so the full quote was, uh, the tweet is a full quote, but the Justin Williams tweet is, uh, West Mill on a possession versus USF. We had fouls to give. We had a timeout to talk about it. Nothing behind you. That's the coach's fault. That means the coach doesn't have the team prepared. I have to do a better job preparing our team for those situations. Um, And I responded, "How many times has he admitted that he didn't have the team ready for a situation this year?" Our buddy Donnie responded, "Too many!" Uh, exclamation point. <laughs> I said, "I said what something that I thought was kind of benign. Uh, just deny it and deflect to another topic. Rather have a non-answer instead of the truth. At least try to deflect." And so this guy's at Sketchy Ed uh, responded to me. He has continually taken responsibility for the inability of his roster to play remotely above average basketball. If taking the fall for his team is your biggest gripe, then we'll be fine. Like, I just... Okay, like, I understand that for sure. Like, you know, you cover for your players, and you you don't throw them under the bus, especially college kids. That's just rude. But, yeah. Like, those things, like, I mean... I know you're not supposed to think about memes when you think about press conferences, but how many yeah. times, Justin, did we make a meme uh, in the old Barstool days about Chris Max saying we got our ass kicked on the glass? That's yeah. it. You know? <laughs> or, like, we made memes out of mixed press conferences when he was, like, like uh, angry at the, at the press. And, like, these press conferences are ways for people to get memed to hell. And I think, like, people are going to, I mean, if anybody was smart, like, you know, if Xavier fans were trying to deflect from their uh tire fire, they would they would <laughs> clip that together and be like, I wasn't prepared, I didn't have the team prepared. Like I, it was more about the vocabulary of saying I yeah. didn't have the team prepared. And look, you can say like, you know, hey, that's on me, that's the coach like coach's fault, I gotta be better. I don't care about that. Just the mm-hmm. the verbiage of saying like I need to have the team prepared. Like, do you agree with me? Is that like yeah. am- being too crazy or am i on to something here
1: no no no. i i feel you there and i think i think kind of you know what you're dancing around here is just like the brutal honesty you know it's like wes has so much honesty at the end of the day but sometimes i think it's one of those things that we just don't want to hear is like he knows everybody knows based on what happened on the court he didn't have the guys prepared but that's not something that we want to hear because it shows that like something's not clicking. And we know that Wes is a very talented coach. We know that Wes has a brilliant giganto brain. But when you say that week after week, game after game, that it's just it's tiresome to hear. And no nobody wants to hear that. People want to hear something else like, yeah, shots weren't falling tonight or something like that. Kind of to, I because I, I'm right with you on what you're saying. Like it, it just being able to blame something other than yourself, um, you know, I think it's it's kind of a, sort of a trope in the same way or a cliche where it's like a coach needs to blame themselves, especially at the collegiate level, um, more so than MBA Because like MBA, like you can just say, well, yeah, you know, Russell Westbrook is throwing a brick at every single shot that he takes, like <laughs> those kind of things like, you know, they're they're much farther along in their careers. They're MVPs. They're guys with all these awards. They can take the shots you know, college, you don't really want to do that. And I understand that. Um, and I'm not asking a coach to do that, or especially a coach like Wes, who is a player's guy to call anybody out. Um, but you know, give us something that's not the same thing every time, you know, and and give more explanations. It's like, okay, well, you know, this exactly, you know, this might've been our issue tonight and this was our issue last time. Um, and, and so that way it just, it feels like it's better than just the blanket term of we weren't prepared. I, I'm with you on that. I, I'm getting tired of hearing it too. It's
0: just, I don't know. I I feel like we can have a better word than saying unprepared. Like, you know, just say like, you know, we weren't ready for that session. Well, I guess that's the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just unprepared just does not sound like a good word. You can just not say it, say it like you don't have to keep elaborating and maybe like, you know, I'm coaching him up too much and I think people liked his honesty and like his honesty at the press conference and his honesty at press conferences his introductory press conference I mean, and mm-hmm. his honesty during his other press conferences this year has been nice uh for yeah. after you know being yelled at by uh Cronin for a couple of years and john brandon <laughs> did John Brandon have one memorable press conference I mean probably not, but like i I would just I'm more worried about just like the verbiage of just saying like I didn't have the guys prepared because. Like, what message does that send to recruits? Like, you know, we, right. we can yeah. bring you here, but we're we're not going to prepare you to play in those situations. And maybe it's just pre- preparation is like, okay, we have someone who's better on defense to get on that situation and just stop that right. stop ball uh, with three seconds left to go to overtime and eventually win the game. So I'm probably making a mountain out of a molehill, uh, but it's just something that is definitely caught my eye, and I, I'm. Yeah. Come back from the cliff that I was on on Saturday night, but uh, it, was, it was dark times for a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, and one thing, too, I want to kind of dive into just quickly before we transition off of this topic of USF, but um, that last five, well, really like the last 30 seconds, if we look at that, the Bearcats get the ball. Um, we inbound it, take it down court. DeJulius has it. I'm pretty sure he passed it off to somebody else, came back up to him. Um, you're looking to have DDJ take the final shot. Um, you know, of course, with the shot clock being the way it is, you're going to give the ball to USF with eh, somewhere between eight and five seconds left, depending on where the shot falls. Um, and again, I think it was another one of those points where like, all right, if you're going to let him play an ISO, like DJ has played an ISO a lot all year, let him create a shot, whatever it's going to be. The three is not falling tonight. His shot is a step back three there. And it's just, it pains me that they didn't try to throw it inside or that they didn't try to get something else. And of course, like, you know, I think I actually, if I remember correctly, West took a timeout in the middle of that play um, because it, you know, it wasn't happening. Like there was something he had to change up the look. And then that's what you go to, which is the same thing that you see every game throughout all every game where like they're DDJ is trying to create a shot. Nobody can get open, whatever. But I, I just don't understand why if he's going to do that, that's your game plan. You're going to give that ball to him. Why not just Stack, maybe keep another guy back towards the top of the key. Stack the paint and just try to get a rebound. And I think that's one of the things that we've mentioned time and time again um, throughout the season is rebounding has just been such an issue. Um, and you know, of course, an offensive rebound is always going to be more difficult than a defensive rebound. Um, but then again, at the same same time, like it really shouldn't be an offensive rebound versus a defensive rebound. Of course, you're always going to get defensive rebounds because generally guys pull back. But in a situation like that, stack the paint, change something up, have a game plan other than taking a shot. And like we've said last week, I think Donnie even mentioned explicitly, after you take the shot, these guys are ready to run down the court every time, make or miss. And it's that has been so frustrating. And I think that really cost us in that game because we could have got a rebound there, changed the game, because now we have a fresh shot clock with seven seconds to go instead of giving the ball to USF which they inbounded with five seconds left. Newman got a tip out. I think it ended up being a foul. And then you still have three fouls to give um, with three seconds left on the clock now. And now you inbound. Davenport runs up the court, completely falls off of his man. His man breaks to the three-point line, gets the ball inbounded, throws it down into the paint. Dav makes another, like just kind of stands and stares, which really is frustrating. And then you know, this guy gets the hook shot off for the buzzer beater win. Like there's so many little things that you could just change in those small minute seconds. And of course, you know, sometimes things just don't go your way. But again, that comes back to this whole conversation of preparation is in the final 10 seconds of the game. Be aware. Like, I felt like I was watching, it felt like I was watching the Cavs, uh, playing, Golden State Warriors. If you remember that, and actually, you might have been with me to watch. I think we were at that at B Dub's watching that game together, if I recall. Because maybe, maybe it wasn't. I was with somebody on that, but
0: <laughs> I don't think it was us. I'm not
1: sure. Maybe not. But uh, either way, J.R. Smith, uh, you know, gets the ball with what, however many seconds left, and he has no idea where he's at. He has no idea what what end of the court. They're playing on, he runs the ball out or tries to take a timeout, whatever it was. And that ended up costing them the game because they turned the ball over and gave the ball to golden state when they could have, you know, had the game winning shot or at least the attempt. And there was no chance of it. This is that s- exact same thing. It's, it's that awareness of like, all right, there are three fouls to give there. You know, there are this many guys out on the court. Why are you trying to protect, you know, you're trying to block an inbounds when the game is tied. It's not like you're down, So if you're not down, you shouldn't be fighting for a steal with three seconds left. You should be covering a man. Okay, maybe you can intercept a pass, get it off, whatever. Just stack the back of the court. Make sure whoever, whether or not they get the inbound, make sure that they're not taking a clean shot. And if they are taking a clean shot, make sure it's from half court. Make sure it's from a deep three that they have no chance of making. Like those kind of things, it's just those errors we've seen in every single game throughout the game. And again, this has now come to the end of the game where it's cost us. Um, And I I'm obviously talking way too long on this point, but that was very, very frustrating um, to see. And I think it just kind of um, encapsulates all of these little errors we've seen all season because it's just a little bit of everything, especially defensively. Um, and that really showed through at the end of that game, um, which again, unfortunately cost us USF wins 56, 54 on a buzzer beater at home on senior night. They, in- they increased their <laughs> fantastic conference record to three and 13. Um, and the Bearcats keep sliding, um, which then transitions us into last night where we played Houston, which, um, as we've kind of mentioned before, and I, you know, I'm gonna let you talk about this a lot too, um. Looked a lot better. There were a lot of improvements. And I think Wes finally, after losing what the, I guess at the time was the fourth out of the past six games uh, or five games, whatever it was, uh, he was pissed off and, you know, he wasn't taking no for an answer and he was shoving it up the ref's ass and he was not going to let the refs or anybody other than the Bearcats or other really than Houston play their way out of the game the Bearcats did not play their way out of the game they played great as much as they could Houston is just otherworldly
0: well yeah and uh, I mean you know th- like I said earlier this game gave me a lot more hope for the future of the West Miller era than like the past two games did just because like they seem to come out with a different type of fire in this game yep. and they I, I did watch this one start to end because I was interested in it and like well I can't say start to end even because I texted you last night that I was like doing stuff <laughs> Playing my game out, I I I lied. I'm sorry, listeners. I did not watch it to end, but I turned it on with about 10 minutes left in the first half, and then watched most of the rest of the game. I think all all the rest of the game. And like I, you know, the the energy was there. They were getting stuff to fall, and they were playing good defense, which is what we wanted to see more from this team over these this last stretch. And maybe Houston was missing a couple shots, and like seemed like the building was a little bit dead there. But um, you know. it definitely like, helped the Bearcats out. We played a lot better. I feel like the rebounding was much better, seeing you know, Victor Lockin and Jared Hensley, two big men, actually score, get rebounds, and get chances. Um, obviously, our guy Dav uh, was was being a little chucky uh, last night. But, <laughs> I mean, obviously, the highlight of the night, the only tweet from ESPN about this game was the John Newman dunk over, uh, yeah. over his new son, Ramon Walker Jr., um, <laughs> uh so we name him a Ramon Walker uh senior John Newman third something like that <laughs> um i just man like that was so cool that was such a like a a fun moment and came right after that technical um where you know Houston missed missed a free throw and then you know we it was i think it was that possession where like they we got that dunk after that and because off of John Newman steal and then he got the foul got the free throw uh, there's a couple possessions there where Houston threw the ball away and got sloppy, and we fought back in it. We got cut it down to 10, but then eventually Houston jailed uh, back together for the last four minutes and, uh, you know, got that stretch and uh, was able to cover the game. But that fun little stretch there where, like, we were playing a little bit hard and just like we were playing with some fire in our ass and, yeah, you know, after the technical, it seemed like that helped a little bit. That made me feel a lot better for the future because you know, like that would that game would have been so easy to quit, especially when Houston went on their little run to go up by fourteen midway through the second half. Like for a team that's not bought in, maybe last year's team would have quit, like they did yep. in the conference in the conference championship uh, tournament game last year. Uh, they they could have quit, but they stuck together. They held in and they you know they they played great down the stretch in the second half when it's not expected of you to play great you're expected to kind of just lay down and die and i that was just very admirable to see them do that so good on them uh, i'm happy for him i'm happy for john newman getting some highlight reel run that he's bouncy man uh, he's so bouncy he yeah. gets makes plays and i'm just i'm excited to see what he can do next year i think he's going to be like an emotional leader of the team yeah. next year and uh you know i'm happy to have him back and Overall, I was just happier about how the game ended up. About this team after all the tough Shit they've gone through over the past couple of Weeks so yeah, Justin I I mean I think we can only be As Bearcat fans like this year Especially after being beaten Down so many times we have to just enjoy The uh just Enjoy the ups you know ride Ride the highs when when we can because There'll be more coming eventually and This is a tough season for sure but A moment like that John Newman dunk like I put po- I tweeted I was like posterizes His ass John And like that picture and it's just, it's just fun. Like that's going to be a highlight reel dunk for a while. Um, yeah. On our program and, you know, in a tough, tough season, it's good to have. Like some, yeah. Just for the beginning. (laughs) But, uh, Justin, that was the best part about it, other than, you know, the loss and just seeing our fight, our resolve and our willingness to get back into the game when we could have died. Um, We could have laid down so many times. It was it was good to see.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing for me that I saw um, was, you know, they were just they were playing deeper in the shot clock. That was my biggest thing. Um, You know, there's a couple of times we're still hucking it up, you know, uh, three with 25 seconds on the shot clock. Definitely not a fan of. Um, which actually um, the West Miller technical came after uh, Davenport took a three with 26 on the shot clock um, or actually 27. I think by my calculation, um, if I look back on that, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Which again, like, you know, at that point he's looking for the foul, which, you know, you can take that shot and you, very clearly did get fouled. You could see it. And that's why Wes was so fired up and he's fighting for it. You know, he's thrown his arm. He stepped a good six feet out onto the court. Like, I mean, if you handed Wes, the ball, he could have taken a shot on the three point line. <laughs> if you, if you gave him the
0: ball there, yeah, um, he was of out there, as a, which of course is a coach you can't do, but um, that's the old Kevin Ollie trick, you know, step out yeah. as far as you can. See if yeah. You can be a six man on defense,
1: test the waters, see if you yep. can throw him off. Um, yep. But yeah, you know, in this one, I think the Bearcats definitely fought a lot harder. Um, And again, I think, you know, as we've kind of mentioned already, or as you kind of mentioned already, um, I think John Newman is probably the most exciting thing about this team, personally. Um, And, you know, obviously, I think that news, uh, you know, our opinions will just only be uh, built upon if David DeJulius decides to come back, um, because then we'd be returning to Really key players, um, along with you know, we'll see you know kind of how Davenport's role shifts, how uh, uh, Mike Adam Woods, uh, Adams Woods, Jesus, uh, his role uh, shifts into next year as well. But um, I really, I I'm really glad that we have Newman coming back because you know, of course, friend of the pod, Just Newman, um, he's just hustling on the court all game long. He's looking for any kind of way to get himself involved. Um, he generally takes smart shots. Um, he's generally looking, you know, to draw a foul, to get in there, and he plays hard. Like, he plays Bearcat basketball. He's not afraid to get physical. He's not afraid to get knocked onto the ground. Um, you know, we I've consistently, throughout the entire season, only see him attempt to take charges. Like, I really feel like he is the only guy that I've seen – on his back a lot of times, which, you know, of course you don't want to be on your back as a basketball player, but that's saying something too, because you're throwing yourself in front of that man who's, you know, trying to draw contact. And I I, I really appreciate his effort. Um, and, and I think, you know, another thing too, um, we've kind of seen how everybody's role has kind of played out this season. Um, and I could bring this back really quick too, um, to a quote from Wes Miller, actually after the USF game. Um, which is interesting. It's going to be a little bit of a long quote, but I'm going to read it fast. Um, that says, there's probably nothing that anyone else has thought about that we could do with this team that we haven't thought about and kicked around as a staff. I don't mean that in the coy way. The answer is absolutely, uh, we've considered more changes. Uh, we've met more as a staff this year than the last six years of my staffs have met combined. Uh, kicking around ways to get an advantage here or prepare here, what we can change here or there, uh, that type of thing. And I think sometimes change is just not a good reason. Change for purpose is, and we have made some subtle adjustments throughout the whole year, but I think you get to the end of February and roles are defined, minutes are set, and if you do make changes, they're going to be more subtle unless they're obvious. And we have had some subtle changes in the rotation, but you're right. If we're watching closely for the most part, things are somewhat set in stone at this point. And as a player, I think that's a good thing. You wanna know what kind of role you're going into, kind of want to know what you're expecting at this point in the year. I've coached a lot of good teams and the good teams appreciated that. They had confidence knowing what was going on rather than being jerked around with minutes and lineups. And that part, I do respect that quote. I do respect because after the USF game, um, you know, I am very much, uh, you know, uh, an implicator of said conversations about like, we need to play our young guys, we need to change up rotations, get these guys minutes here or there. Um, And I think everybody's kind of had that same mindset, but I appreciate Wes, at least um, being transparent with that. And again, like we've said before, um, being brutally honest, like, you know, you don't need to, you don't necessarily owe the fans uh, minutes based on the players they want to see play. You owe putting the best, you know, chance to win out on the floor. Um, And if that's what Wes thinks is the best chance to, you know, win is putting those guys out, then I respect it, but at the same time, um you know, I think some people are getting a little bit too much of a green light, and I think some people um are you know getting too many minutes out on the floor when you know you could change that up for a different look um and I feel like we have like a defensive like big rotation, and then we just have offense, and when that offense doesn't hit, and then you then all those guys are gassed, and you put in all your defensive players at the same time well, okay, you can try to stop the run, but by the time that happens, they've already got their guys in, and now you're fighting fire with fire, Um, so I don't know. I think overall, like I uh, said, I'm kind of taking a big tangent here, but um, I think it's exciting to see that Newman is coming back, excited to see that we have some fire um, there, um, and just see what that kind of product is. Like you said, he's really bouncy. He's really athletic. Um and we need that, and we do need a leader like that. And I honestly think that of out of all the guys on the team, obviously Newman's one of the, you know, he's one of the oldest there. Um, but I think he's also one of the most experienced, too. Um, just based on his time with Clemson, like he had to move on from that, and I think that changes your expectations a lot as a player. Um, and of course, you know, he wanted to be in a program where he felt people were behind him, and that's why he moved on with Wes. Um, and I just really hope that we can see him take a bit more of a um Maybe a bit more of a scoring role, but even if not, he's set where he is. Like I said, I said this last night, I'd be happy with seeing him 30 minutes on the floor. No problem. Next year, guaranteed starter. Like, guaranteed, no questions asked. However long you want to put him out on the floor, I don't have a problem with. No matter if you got reads, skillings, any, you know, any of our young guys coming in, any of the sophomores, which are now going to be juniors, um, Newman should be out on the floor more than anybody else just because of the stuff that he does off the stat sheet. Um, and I'm hoping that I can start to say that about some of our other players as well. Um, I think Saunders has definitely taken up a bigger role. Um, I think we, I, I wouldn't say that I have, I, I've definitely in, in moments, uh, you know, kind of mentioned this, but I think collectively we as a fan base, um, have been a little hard on Saunders. I mean, he is a sophomore, he's developing in the role, but really, if you look at it, like he, I'd say even more than Newman, he's our third man, at least when it comes to scoring options. Um, He's been more consistent um, than, you know, anyone other than Davenport and DeJulius. I mean, he's consistently given you at least seven or eight off the bench every night, um, which, you know, uh, you, you should hope that that should be consistent. And, you know, I think we all wanted to. I think everybody's expectation is, OK, well, we want to see him, you know, take Maul out of the starting lineup. Not like, you know, you don't want to kick Maul out of the program with a kind of good play on the bench like that. But you want to see him steal some of his minutes. Um, and I think he's been able to, you know, at least show his role. I mean, if you look at his box plus minus on the season, he's, he's doing work. I mean, he, he's been playing well and I think everybody's been a little hard on him. And, you know, I think that's kind of the same point. We want to see some of these other guys, um, You know, like Koval, Ado, we want to see them, you know, just be a little bit more efficient or be a little bit more offensively um, enabled, which they just aren't. You know, of course, we're going to lose both of those guys next year, um, which is going to be interesting to see how their roles develop. But uh, yeah, (laughs) overall, um, I think Houston showed us a
0: lot more progress. And I think (laughs) I I, I joked about it last night in the group (laughs) chat, but. Yeah, I, I joked about it last night in the group chat, but if you take away Fabian White's 26 points, uh, uh the Bearcats win that game by 8. You <laughs> know. Yeah. Like so like well, <laughs> completely I mean, take him out of the game next time. Uh figure that out. Like Kevin Durant.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, he goes full beast mode every time we yeah. play him. Like he's he's been consistent actually. I think um I saw a stat go up. If it wasn't minutes, it was wins or it might be both. Um Fabian White's it, like kind of like a even more offensively a talented version of Gary Clark. A little bit less defensively, but more so offensively. Um, He can put up more numbers, but he's, you know, he is that kind of like, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if he's a four-year starter guy, but he's their glue guy. He's got minutes all over the place. He's got, I think now total up to the most wins. And if I heard that stat correctly, uh, Houston is like something like 70 and uh, like 12 or something or 16 over the past five years in conference, which is insane to think about, um, which gives them like an 80% uh, win rate. And when you're talking about like Calvin Sampson too, I think we really have to like appreciate um, just how great their program has been. And at at the same point too, um, if if you're feeling deflated as a Bearcats fan and you're just like, we're just going to continue to get our ass kicked by Houston next year. And then we're going to go into the big 12 and then get our ass kicked. Yes, all of that is true. Most likely, but one shining light is that Houston has done a lot without their two you know conference player of the year level guys. Um I think some of these other guys might slip and go into the league or go to the draft um and as we have personally found out, roster turnover does not help you <laughs> um and hopefully you know the Bearcats will start to get stuff together and get in stride at the right time and maybe just get back to where we were. Maybe Houston slides just enough and we can start to take an advantage over them. But as for now, Houston looks set in stone. They have a rock solid
0: foundation. Well, and I'm glad they're coming with us to the Big 12 because it's something for us. It's a like a it's a, a thing where we can uh, plan out how we want this program to look because they look yeah. off, awful lot like those early... 2000s late 90s bob huggins teams to me like i do obviously i don't think i'm not it wasn't like i wasn't around then you know but i think there's something about that team you know the toughness they play with that gritty style that intensity i think there's something that we can draw on from uc basketball and like they're if we want to be that model and you know recruit modern age players to that style like just look at kelvin Sampson and houston and i think we can take a lot from that and maybe wes will put his own spin on it he's obviously bringing in the the big recruits today Uh, like right now like we've had some big time names in and i don't think i'd be too worried if you're a uc fan about like these recruits keep showing up we keep losing because that's an easy spin zone at least in the football recruiting world maybe in the basketball one where they like look, you know, we're not great right now, but you come and help us right now. You're going to be loved here forever, and you can come and help us right away. Like That's, a, you know, that's just one way where we can try to win back the narrative and make, make this one year just one bad year. And it might be a couple yeah. bad years for sure, but I think getting into the transfer portal this offseason and then getting, uh, keeping that recruiting portal going and trying to beef up future classes – to break, get back to that that idea of Cincinnati basketball that we have talked about all year, and we haven't seen yet. Uh, I think there's a lot of bright future ahead, and I think Wes is definitely the right guy. And there, I was freaking out a little bit on Saturday night just because of how bad like the USF game was, but man, like you know, it's obviously a tough situation right now, and all we can do is hope that Wes gets a couple of those top name guys that he's bringing in uh, to sign, but. Just the fact that we're bringing in top name guys this early, and Wes has that kind of cachet among those players, uh, says something about his recruiting talent. And I, I think he'll. This might have just been another big step up for him this year, and like trying to come to a league where a lot, the teams are a lot more talented, and like they have a lot more going on, and like have a lot more to say than like maybe his old league did. So. If we want to end basketball there, I would just say I'm optimistic, but I'm ready to see what comes this off season because I think you can only be excited. And you know, who knows? Maybe David comes back. and may, Obviously, like, maybe we get a couple guys in, a couple guys out. This team could look a lot different by the time they come back on the floor. And the season's not even done yet. They still got at least two games left. So yep. by the time they come back on the floor this fall uh, in November, they could look a lot different.
1: Yeah, and I think we can all agree. Uh, <laughs> as our biggest sticking point, we're going to keep saying it. Maybe we can talk it into existence. Uh, just get the tank shack type kind of five if you can find him somewhere. Just get somebody jacked and put him in the paint. Yeah. I don't care who it is. I don't even care if he doesn't have offensive talent. Just make yeah. him
0: a wall. Can uh, do you? Th- Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say Oscar Sheepway came out of the transfer portal last year, and he's like one of the best players of college basketball this year. So yeah, He found they they can be you can find them in the transfer portal. You know, it's might might take a little digging, but like we can find them. So do you
1: do you think Ronnie Coleman has any uh NCAA eligibility?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like J R Smith just came back to play golf, so you That's know. True. Anything
1: he, he, is possible
0: yeah, as, as Kevin yeah. Garnett would say
1: anything is possible
0: all right um <laughs> well, Justin, do you have anything else on basketball? I have a couple topics we can oh. run through real quick and yeah, uh, go ahead just read gonna read them off so uh just from scrolling Twitter earlier today and uh, uh, admittedly during the show, but uh there's a couple of u c anecdotes that came out uh, first uh. The Houston beat reporter, Joseph Duarte, reported that apparently if Houston wants to leave the uh, join the Big 12 and leave the American by 2023, they're going to need to pay $35 million. So um, that also means that we will have to pay $35 million. Uh, you know, that's just Aresco putting out his price and seeing how much he can get. But um, I- I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, basically. So uh, I'm just gonna say that we don't have 35 million dollars, and maybe we will have to play one Frankenstein year with um, with all the teams coming to the American instead of all the teams that uh, uh, instead of possibly playing Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 for one year.
1: So I mean, is that even is that even like a uh, defensible like legal number? Because it sounds like he's just thrown a number out of his ass. 35 million is a freaking megaton of money.
0: Yeah, I'm only reading the post, uh, like the, the just the the headline, you know. But uh, I mean, it's 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 possible, like you know, I I don't know. I, I think the, the cooler heads will prevail, and it's not going to be a conference USA Southern Miss type of situation. So I think we'll be a I I think he's
1: he's just scared of replacing
0: UC with
1: Charlotte and replacing Houston with UNT.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so second one real quick desmond ritter um there's press uh, uh scouting combine uh press conferences going on today and um he was quoted he was asked on why he's the most nfl ready quarterback in the class and his quote was i'm the most ready both mentally and athletically so he's putting his name out there a little bit that's from yeah. pff college um so i'm i'm happy for him i, I keep seeing mock drafts of multiple Bearcats players uh, in, like, the top two, top three rounds. So it's just going to be an exciting time for that. Um, Yeah. And then the final thing is that, uh, so as we are recording, it is Wednesday, March 2nd, and the Bearcats are playing baseball tonight at home in a kind of game just kind of game came together on Sunday. So UC was supposed to play a four-game series this past weekend against the North Alabama Lions. They only played one game on Friday night. They lost, and then the rest of the games got rained out. So uh, I think Ohio State might have had a similar situation, and they came together to schedule a game, uh, a one-game series tonight. So Ohio State is coming to Clifton. They're going to play at UC Baseball Stadium uh, tonight as you listen or you know, whenever you're listening, uh, tonight, March 2nd. So uh, I'm excited to see the baseball boys in action, and. It'll, Hashtag Natty Boys, Natty Boys, Humcats, all those good, good things. And uh, Justin, I, I, I saw our other guy, Justin H, uh, Captain Cincy, tweet this recently that you know, as we move into the Big Twelve, I think the fandom like needs to expand a little bit more for different sports other than just football yeah. and basketball. So baseball is a really easy way to start, and um, I think, I you mean, know, we've had different times where we've you know supported the other olympic sports that aren't football and basketball and obviously it's tough sometimes when they're not you know winning cures all and brings all these people around so i, yeah. I think i remember a couple of years ago when um uh, when the women's team made it all the way to the conference championship game yeah. uh, in the basketball and the uh, women's basketball tournament like there was a lot of people that was excited and obviously they played uh the death machine that is yukon and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, that didn't really work out, but um, it was just, that was a cool time for people to gather around women's basketball for the first time in a while. And I know previously uh, like the volleyball team went on that great run uh, a couple of years ago. And then like our, our women's soccer team had a couple great runs. Uh, we've always had decent teams in swimming, diving track and field and lacrosse. So like, I think if, you know, it's never it's going to be hard just because we're a pro city and we're not a solely like you know college town. We're not going to be able to have a, a bunch of fans there for every non-football uh, or men's basketball sporting event. But I think that's one of the things that, as part of the Big Twelve, that I would love to see is just increased crowds, increased like attendance at um, all sports and not just football and basketball.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, another growing sport that uh, we can't play has been soccer. Um, which actually, I have, I'm, I'm interested. I would genuinely be interested if uh, anybody actually misses it, because yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something that we haven't talked about in a long time, and I don't want to like we're 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 already running longer than we were planning to, but um, that's something I would be interested to know if people actually would be interested in getting that back. Um, and I think a big part of it was uh, COVID thing, but I think you know, considering Title IX stuff, I don't know uh, how easy it would be to get that program back um, if there was a desire from the athletic department to do it. Um, but I think that's something a lot of people can rally around too. Um, and I think it—they, you know, at, at least every time I walked by the soccer stadium and there's a game going on, there were people there. I mean, it, it's—it looked like it was a lot more than you know, generally I'd see even in the baseball stadium, but.
0: Who knows? Yeah, there's a lot of um, like it's probably just a lot of like you know people just walking around on campus. Some definitely some some uh, fans and uh, oh you know and parents and such. But like just just kind of uh, the way it, way it goes in some of those smaller sports. But eventually we're gonna figure that out. Um, yeah. And then the one last thing, Justin, I'm just kind of uh, curious. Um, so last night, uh, Wisconsin won the Big Ten. Regular season championship on uh, last second shot to defeat Purdue, uh, and they stormed. Beautiful, the by the way, yeah, it was a great shot, a bank shot. College basketball to the extreme. Shout out Chris Vote, good for you, buddy. Um, yeah, so, wow. yeah, isn't that crazy? So I'm just curious, Justin, are we a, a court storming uh, kind of school? Because I don't think we. Now we didn't do it for when we've won conference championships in the past, but that's the, you know that's the AAC. That's not um, that's that's not right. Big Twelve, obviously, where we're going to, or you know the Power Conference. I think the only time Xavier's ever stormed the court, just for reference, um, was when they uh, won the Big East yeah, a, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I what what do you think? Do you think we would be a, a a court storming school or not?
1: Um, I think we're a court storming school if the storm chaser storm chasers show up. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think there needs to be some kind of I think I think the problem is right now, um, you know, if we played Houston at home and beat Houston at home, um I, I, I even so if that were the case considering our season, I still don't even think we do it. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's a thing that we do. I would love to, of course. Um, but I think it's more of a football thing for us. Uh, as we've clearly seen. Um, but I think there's a certain qualification that the team that you beat, um, a obviously has to be better than you, uh, first and foremost, but B, I feel like it has to be a top 10 team and you have to be unranked or you got to be playing for something like Wisconsin was. I mean, you know, Purdue's been at the top all season long. Everybody's been talking about Purdue. They're like they might be, a, you know, they're a final four maybe a national championship kind of team and Wisconsin is very I'd say quietly come through and stolen away from them, especially like on a last second shot. Um, And I think that's kind of an energy thing, Um, but I don't know. I would love to see fifth third get the court storm. It's just I, I agree, though. I think in the American, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like the weight isn't there as much. And of course, I mean it when you have a team like Houston who just won the uh outright conference championship last night, uh, in front of four thousand fans who uh could give a shit less. Uh I I don't know. <laughs> I think I think we need big twelve kind of crowds to really be like, well shit, we gotta beat Kansas and they're number two or something like yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think uh you know, the, something like that will eventually happen. But I, I, I'm i just curious. Like, I I would love to ask, like, because I don't think before our time, there's been really any notable like court stormings from UC fans or students. Just because I think we see ourselves as just one of those big basketball programs, and we don't see ourselves really as like, you know, we're the ones that get court stormed on. You know, kind of a cell phone. Or, yeah. but <laughs> like, well,
1: and, and to not to cut you off, but like just for a half second here we're we've been the team to beat for a long time.
0: Yeah. I mean, and in all of these leagues, we've been the team to beat. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, just kind of, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I think we've just thought of ourselves for such a long time as like the program to beat instead of the program that like is the punchy underdog. So yeah. I, I'd be interested to hear on whatever other fans have to say about that. I'll just have to uh, throw it out on
1: at Viva La Cats Pod. <laughs> if you're not already <laughs> following us, make sure to do so. Um, I don't know if you've Got any other points, uh, Steve? <laughs> um, no, that's what... that's probably a good place to wrap up on. Um, Perfect so yeah. with me, huh? Perfect with me. So, if, <laughs> again, if you're not following, make sure to follow at Viva La Cats Pod. Uh, make sure to follow at UC Uniforms for all of Steve's updates um which at this point unfortunately i don't know if you've rolled it out yet but it is definitely uh it's gonna be a sad end of season graphic for the bearcats when it says oh and two on those throwbacks um and we'll probably wear them again at some point next year unless they just decide that was a moment and it has passed Uh, (laughs) which i hope it doesn't because they're sweet uniforms but regardless uh again you know like i said uh, make sure to follow us on those channels and keep up to date with us on all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple pods or wherever you listen. Uh, we are trying to keep up with every week. Um, I think once basketball tails off here, we might not do every week. There's not necessarily a reason to uh, once end of March comes. But um, it, regardless, it'll be entertaining to follow the Bearcats um, into the last pretty much two weeks of the season. So stay tuned. Uh, maybe we get lucky in the Bearcats make a run. Maybe we, maybe we beat SMU. I think there's a possibility based on the way we played against Houston and the way we played against SMU earlier in the season. We might do it, but if not, we'll be here to make you even more sad. <laughs> so, again, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, take care, and we will talk to you next time.
0: Go Bearcats. Hashtag Natty Boys. Natty Boys. Humcats. Humcats.